Hello and welcome to Cruisin' for a Reviewsin', the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I'm your host, Cara Westworth, and today we're having another mini-sode, this time featuring my husband, Benjamin. That's me. Benjamin, we are doing something, a topic that's very close to your heart, something that you've wanted to do for a little while now, and there's no time like the present, I guess. So let's have a chat about what we're going to talk about today, if you can just kind of briefly give us a rundown. What we're going to talk about today is the greatest Tom Cruise movie that was never made. And that is an adaption of H.P. Lovecraft's 1936 short story, At the Mountains of Madness. The short version of what the movie would have been is it would have been around 2010, 2011, 2012, and it would have been a $150 plus million dollar horror movie that would have been at a proper American R rating. And for lots of reasons, lots and lots and lots of reasons, it just didn't go through in the end. Okay. Well, to begin with, for people who may not know, and I'm probably included, I know a very vague idea from what you've told me over the years, but I would like to hear from you. What is At the Mountains of Madness? That's a very good question. Uh, because when you talk about At the Mountains of Madness and a lot of H.P. Lovecraft stories that deal with what were things that he talked about a lot, which were cosmic horror or his Elder Things mythos, uh, a lot of these concepts kind of hard to describe and very unfilmable. Um, and his story was kind of considered fairly unfilmable for, for a long time. I think if anyone was going to pull it off, it would have been uh, the crew that was looking after this. Uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit more soon. Uh, so basically, if I was to try and summarize what exactly At the Mountains of Madness was, it begins with a geologist, Dr. William Dwyer, and he operates out of the Miskatonic University, which is a very popular uh, piece of Lovecraft mythos. And he is trying to talk a group of people who of, of uh, students and, and doctors there out of going on on a trip to Antarctica because of his previous experience going to Antarctica, which did not end well. He, in the many in years before, had gone out with a large group of people, a lot of scientists, a lot of people to um, investigate what they thought was an ancient civilization that existed out in Antarctica. They get there, uh, the party splits into two, and uh, some of the party goes ahead, and they discover ancient ruins, and they discover a bunch of in stasis old ancient life forms that are kind of indescribable. They can't really attribute them to a particular period. Shit goes south, <laughs> half of the stasis entities go missing, uh, a bunch of people in the party get slaughtered by unknown things, and as time goes on, Dr. Dyer and his uh, assistant, Denworth, find endlessly mutilated people, they find endless uh, ancient murals that describe what was an ancient civilization of giant creatures called the Elder Things, which kind of came to Earth from an, an alien planet and sort of created the first stages of civilization and they did this with the help of these things called shoggoths shoggoths were kind of like a black liquid goo thing that could take any life form um and it sort of suggested in the story that those shoggoths became humans and all of the creatures of the world eventually down the line the the, the line through evolution there's talk of further ancient creatures that are somehow loosely uh, attributed to this antarctic uh city so like in, the, in this antarctic city it doesn't look like a bunch of ice it's like just past all the ice there's like a normal civilization for some reason reason. Not a normal one, like a one that's just full of like ancient murals and craziness. Eventually they sort of get out of there. They find a bunch of six foot tall penguins that they assume are livestock for all the creatures that exist in this area. Uh, eventually they escape only the two of them on a plane and his assistant turns back and it's got this really great classic Lovecraftian style ending where the Danforth, who was his assistant, looks back up upon all this civilization and sees something that, and a creature
creature that he should have never seen. They don't quite describe what that creature is, but as a result of seeing it, he goes completely mad, and that's sort of like the end of the tale. So that's the long and the short of it. That's not a very good uh, description of what it is. I definitely re- recommend reading it in terms of any sort of Lovecraftian collections. Uh, this generally is one of the main ones that gets utilized as probably like the first story you'd see in a collection of Lovecraft stories. Okay, that sounds really interesting. And just from hearing that, I can picture Tom Cruise being that role, like having the movie start with doors bang open and the doctor comes running in and you can't go to do this expedition. <laughs> I can just imagine Tom Cruise in that so vividly. Geologist so, Tom, Tom Cruise. I think yes. when I read it, uh, whatever that character was, I've sort of pictured him as a slightly older, more professorial, like, I don't think that's a real word. It is now. Professorial person, but like, it could be anyone really. It just needs to be someone that is a geologist, is a doctor, has that sort of uh, exploration sort of uh, thing. There's a lot of things that you, I think a movie that comes up immediately is like the thing. Like the thing is yes, exactly the kind of- one of the things I was thinking of. The other thing that I immediately thought of, and you're probably going to roll your eyes at me, was the Matthew Riley book, Eye Station. <laughs> But I mean, okay, so Matthew Riley probably read... Because bits of that are kind of... I mean, it's not aliens and stuff. But also, he always pictured Tom Cruise as the uh, lead character Scarecrow in those books, as the movie. So, yeah, that's that's another thing that I immediately went to. So, as far as the film adaption went, what do we know? Like, what do we know about this film that was never meant to be? Okay, so, basically, so lots of, like, H.P. Lovecraft adaptions have happened over over the years, but none of them have been particularly A-grade. Like, they all tend to be, like, things like Reanimator or, um, you know... Really low-key adaptations of the Dunwich uh, horror. A-level movies don't tend to get made about Lovecraft stories specifically, but there are lots of things that get made that are definitely, definitely influenced by it. Probably the key ones out there are probably The Thing which has a significant amount of, like, influence from this and Lovecraftian ideas in general, and probably the Alien series as well, um, which is very relevant in the case of why this didn't quite happen. This was a pet project of Glermit or Toros. So in sort of, like, the mid-2000s, and so this would have been around when he'd done Blade 2, he'd done the first Hellboy movie. Um, Hang on, did he direct Blade 2? Yeah. I didn't know that. So in terms of the Glermit or Toro timeline, Pan's Labyrinth he did in 2006, and 2006 was really the year that he started pitching this movie as hard as he possibly could. So firstly, he started pitching it just by himself and Warner Brothers was the studio that was mostly dealing with him and that didn't quite work out and it sort of didn't really develop steam until 2010. In 2010, James Cameron was just off the back of Avatar and James Cameron threw his full weight behind a redo of the the script um, and they were pitching it to Universal. Tom Cruise jumped on board as a producer as well. So they had a James Cameron, Tom Cruise 2010 double team, which is at the time, Pretty powerful. Keep in mind, James Cameron just came off the back of Avatar. Yeah. It broke records everywhere. And James Cameron was in his corner being like, Universal, you should do this movie. This is going to be great. Tom Cruise did it as well. And eventually Tom Cruise said, we can package this up and I will also star in it if you let this happen. We need $150 million plus. We need to make a proper horror movie and it needs to be American R-rated. And the main crux of what happened with the studio was they said, yes, maybe, but it has to be PG-13. And the pushback between... The, the team that was putting it together and the studio kind of came to a, uh, a head and they just couldn't get over that line. Glimmer del Toro, and rightfully so, wanted to make this proper horror. I don't think he was, like, based on looking through the script that was revi- uh, that, that is online uh, from 2010, he did make it a little bit more action a little bit more fun than the original story is. It didn't have a lot of that really, like, ethereal, just descriptive stuff and, like, thing. I think they, from what I understand, Cthulhu, the, the great octopus monster itself from the Lovecraftian mythos, was actually in 
this thing as like a monster at some stage. Cool. But I'm sure it would have had the giant penguins. It would have had these Shoggoth black goo demons. It would have had elder things that attacked everybody. It would have been in ancient ruins. There would have been people ripped apart. The black goo, as I understand it, was very sort of the thing. Like they would have that... Like, lots of tentacles and tendrils everywhere that would take any manner of form. Why do you think that he couldn't agree to do it? So PG-13 is, like, our equivalent of M-A? PG-13 is our equivalent of M. M. Okay. So what's M-A? What's M-A? So American R is M-A. M-A. So why couldn't he do? Oh, yeah. So I can see why. Like, when I think of R- If I think of an R-rated horror movie starring Tom Cruise, there's no way that'd be made here. But M-A, that's fine. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. The, the, so- the, thing, the trouble is that at the time, especially in 2010, there wasn't a heavy precedent for high-rated no, horror because- movies or expensive horror movies. I Am Legend was probably the only high-level expensive horror-ish movie made around that time. And- or in history. History, really. And that's, you know, most people, the average Joe watching that wouldn't go, oh, this is a horror movie. They would no. think it's more of a zombie movie or yeah, sort of which a, they don't really an apocalypse think of it, movie. Yeah, an apocalypse movie more so than a horror movie. So I kind of I kind of get it, but I wonder if the studio had have been able to see the future and see how popular R-rated horror movies were going to be and how much money they were going to make them. Well, they're still not they? this expensive. I mean, other than the only one that's really made money was in sort of like any serious way was it, uh, and I don't think that happened on purpose. Like no. that was a happy accident for them. They definitely didn't spend one hundred and fifty million dollars in that movie put 150 million dollars into perspective for me how much did avatar cost to make i mean avatar cost a couple of hundred million dollars to make but that also made more than a billion billion dollars that was an extraordinary temple so i think do... a horror movie is much more of a risk true but what about horror movies typically cost between 10 and 40 million dollars that's because they don't have big stars like tom yeah. cruise and directed by guillermo de toro like that's where a big bunch of the money would have no no actually no tom cruise doesn't take that much money from his movies so i he's guess back end man he's um special effects i guess was probably they had industrial light and magic on the special effects for this movie it would have been phenomenal like i can just imagine these like giant elder thing crazy creations it would yeah. have been so cool okay then let's discuss then why this movie didn't go ahead and can you tell me is the fact that a lot of this sounds a bit like the movie Prometheus, the reason why. What year didn't Prometheus come out? So I'll have to double check this, but like Prometheus didn't come out too long after this. Prometheus was 2012. No, it was exactly the same time. So if they were looking into this in 2010 and struggling to get it over the line, did Prometheus have a role to play in this? Or I was think it, it definitely got to a stage where they realised that Prometheus was being made. And once it came out, I think it was pretty much the nail in the coffin for this movie. There's just too many things about Prometheus that it, they're not the exact same movies, but there's too many things that are a little bit too similar between this. Yeah, it's like an alien race on another planet. I mean, it's another planet, but you could argue Antarctica is almost like another planet. And that's where human life developed from, from these terrifying aliens. They have these things called engineers, which were kind of like the Elder Things and the characters in there who had the Elder Things engineers had this black goo that helped them do things. The black goo ended up evolving to be the aliens in Alien. They were supposed to be, the the engineers developed life as we know it. And there was just a lot of things that were just a little bit too crossovery. And then in Alien Covenant, the sequel they actually showed what would be pretty much the equivalent of like the ancient ruins that the engineers lived in as a civilization once upon a time in time just they're almost they're not identical but there's Prometheus definitely like and the alien universe in general definitely took a lot of stuff from like Lovecraftian mythos lore and sort of twisted it a little bit and made its very science fiction version of it okay not in like any sort of ill intent way I just think that 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 was just a heavy heavy influence on those stories what I'm thinking is throughout film history we have always had examples 
examples of every now and then there'll be two films <laughs> almost exactly the same coming out at the same time. Are you so saying we- that Prometheus and At the Mountain of Madness could have been that generation's Ants vs. Bugs Life? That it could have been Volcano vs. Dante's Peak? That it could have been Deep Impact vs. Armageddon? What about White House Down and... Oh, what's the other one? Uh, Olympus, uh, <laughs> Olympus has Olympus fallen. Has fallen and... I am not as familiar with that one. <laughs> but yeah, like, could that not have been a thing? Or is that... I suppose it could have, but I think, like... Is it a, just too big a risk? I think I think for a studio to do something as risky as a $150 million horror movie on something where there is another high-spectacle science fiction horror movie that is a little bit too similar, I can see why Universal, in the end of the day, said, eh, that seems like a you, lot. You've, to justify that much money, you would have to have it to be super unique and you want the entire market not potentially I would kill half. To see a Del Toro $150 million Tom Cruise Lovecraftian adaption. And because you can just imagine like the concept drawings for this thing that they must have been throwing around the place would have been so cool. Just doing all the elder things, talking to ILM about how they could actually create some of those creatures. Because I'm not sure there has been any sort of great examples of Lovecraftian elder things being done in any sort of really amazing way on the big screen. The one that always like strikes me that I love so, 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 so much is the, uh, I think it's called the Leviathan was the creature's name. And it was like one of the final creatures from the end of the mist where they stopped the bridge and there's this huge like tentacled long-legged creature that goes over a bridge that they sit there just looking up at this thing going whoa and that is one of the very few things i've ever seen where it's like that is what a lovecraftian giant creature sort of feels like it's 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 almost got like a majesty to it and other world worldliness to it that you are ants compared to this thing you are nothing compared to it it's, it's so much of lovecraftian stories is about like the existentialism of how nothing we are all right ben uh what else is there to know about this film that never happened? Uh, Del Toro is pretty open about talking about past projects. He's got a lot of unmade movies, a significant amount of unmade movies. I imagine uh, he just sits around thinking up movies and sort of putting them in planning and then they just don't, don't pan out kind of thing. I saw this tweet like a couple of years ago where he sort of like listed all his unproduced scripts and there was about 20 of them. Oh, wow. Because um, like, remember he was always going to do the Hobbit movies and he didn't do them. He's got a Justice League Dark script. He's got a Witches remake lying around there somewhere. <gasps> he's got At the Mountains of Madness. He's got Pacific Rim 2. He's got like uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, like an endless amount of um, uh, just unproduced things that don't quite fall uh, happen at the end. When this movie fell apart, he went on and did Pacific Rim, but Which... it was with a lot of the same team and it was with the same studio. So it's sort of like they found a project to do together. It just wasn't this one. Which leads me to wonder, Pacific Rim could have been so much more. Like we watched it and I was like, that was fun. It felt safe. It was too safe. And I guess is that what he had to do after he wanted to do something so risky that he did, did something really safe or could the you know Mountains of Madness been kind of bit like that like are we lucky maybe it didn't happen because it maybe it wouldn't have been as good as we'd hoped so Del Toro's always been this bit of a funny one he's like he, he's beloved by movie lovers everywhere but the actual quality of his movies has been incredibly up and down over the years some of these movies are a lot better than others like Pan's Labyrinth and The Shape of Water are freaking awesome I really love Crimson Peak but I don't love like the original Hellboy movie or Pacific Rim but now that he's got like all the love that he got for The Shape of Water he should be in a position to really do anything he wants except like not really like he's still a director that's got to go in there and be like why does this movie make sense even after he's done like a major successful movie like The Shape of Water I still can't imagine him going into a studio and being like hey I'd like to make a 150 million dollar horror movie and then being like yeah that sounds like a good time that will always be a risky move for a big studio and they'll always be hesitant to do it it might just be better for him to do lower budgeted movies and we might never see 
see a, a $150 million Lovecraft adaptation in our lifetime. It'd be cool if we did, but, you it's know... not hold our breaths. No. And also, you know, so much of, like, Lovecraftian sort of stuff is about, like, the unknown descriptions of, of cosmic horror. It's not necessarily something we need to see on screen. It kind of ruins the magic a little bit. You know, when at the end of this story, Danforth looks back on the plane and looks at this unknown entity that couldn't possibly be described in this story and goes mad. If you actually show what that is, is they, that... They couldn't possibly. You can't show what causes cosmic horror because we'd all look at it and go, well, that's not that bad. Like, I would hope they would end that with him being freaked out and going mad and we just never see it. Kind just of like seeing a... it from his face and yeah. then it's like the end of it. He's, he's come out and sort of said he, he shouldn't have been such a Boy Scout. He should have just said to the studio, yeah, we'll do PG-13. And just done that conversation and then just made it really hard, harsh, and then just argued for it then. Yeah. And, you know, if he had James Cameron and Tom Cruise in his corner in the editing suite and they were like leave del toro alone maybe that could have gotten over the line it would have been a really cool thing to see but again i do see why with prometheus that's just not a thing that could have right been there and it might have been like actually not that faithful an adaption about the mountains of madness it might have been a really action orientated movie of a story that's mostly wandering around ruins trying to piece together what happened in a civilization that was older than anyone could possibly know I can't picture Tom Cruise being super gung-ho about it if it wasn't pretty action-y. Yeah. He'd be fighting Cthulhu in this movie. Yeah. Just doing a big flip and punching him in the face. It, it should be pretty interesting. Like, outside of this, like, we actually do have a pretty interesting Lovecraft adaption happening, which is HBO's new series, Lovecraft Country, um, which is really interesting because despite, like, the how much inspiration that Lovecraft's stories and cosmic horror has given so many writers and people over the years, he was objectively a racist man and he was a person that had a lot of problematic personal issues with the man himself. And it did come through in some of his writings from some to time. It did come through in a lot of his writing from time to time. A lot of people have sort of taken uh, the things that are great from his stories whilst being trying to be quite acknowledging of the lesser aspects and the more discriminatory aspects of his writing. But the really cool thing that Lovecraft Country is going to do, and, and is because it's an adaption of a book as well, the thing that does that's really cool and kind of flips that on its head a little bit is it takes Lovecraftian concepts in the 19 1950s America and applies that same cosmic horror and dread and alienation to the way that African Americans experience white people in the 1950s so it's an pretty much a universally Amer- african-american cast and they are all dealing with the existential dread of both cosmic horror and horrible racists or that they have to live with every single day so i'm really really interested to see how they do that on hbo i think i mean we've discussed this before lovecraft is more now a concept than the author his ideas are awesome and you know are very inspirational for carrying on to into other narratives and everything world building doing lots yeah, of weird strange but stories we don't owe it to him to keep everything really faithful to his work because it was just straight up bigoted he just hated people who weren't white so i think i, I kind of like that as a concept like we don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater kind of thing we mm. can pick and choose what we like like you know if this was a black author and we were picking and choosing what we like that's a completely different thing because this is a nasty white man up to his eyeballs and privilege and then wrote these stories yeah we are at that point where we can t- pick and choose what we like out of it and we can sort of chuck him out and not worry too much and i, I think feel, and i feel like that's a fairly universal attitude towards his writing these days i hope so can't promise it white boys on the internet everywhere having a big whinge but who knows um okay 
well, that was us having a chat about the greatest Tom Cruise movie that never was. If you have any thoughts about it or if you know anything a little bit extra that we'd like to know, please drop me a line on my social media. So my Twitter is Tom Cruise Review and my Instagram is Tom Cruise Reviews. And Benjamin, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me um, at Toontown Express on Instagram or Ben Jungles on Twitter. One last point. If you are interested, you can find the 2010 script very easily for this movie on the internet. It's pretty interesting because the first page begins with a bunch of uh, indigenous Australians on a boat in Hobart. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. in, the, in the 1930s. So. I, I might actually pop a link to that in my, on my Twitter, so you can all have a look at that too. Thank you so much for that, Benjamin. No problem. And we'll catch you all later. Bye.